Hi there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Morning, everyone. It's really, really nice to see you all again this morning. I was just thinking before that you are the congregation that I have um, had the privilege of preaching most to in that Mark Lilly has been the pastor that's most invited me to come to a church. I don't know if that's a good thing for you, but it's it's really a good thing for me because I really love coming here and I always feel really um, God is in this place and I feel at home. So it's really nice to be with you. Now, I haven't preached um, up here, I haven't um, shared with you in, in over a year. It was about a year ago. And about a year ago, I shared with you my word for the year. I don't know if you know that that practice. I talked about how, uh, it's especially in Christian circles, people, they wait on God and they come up with a word for the year. Does anyone do that? Yeah, cool. Does anyone want to share their word? After? After. Are you going to, your word is not after. Yeah. Just just tell us the word. You don't have to tell us why or anything. Okay, go for it. Thank you. All right, maybe someone wants to jot that down. I could, does anyone else have a word? Maybe not a sermon, just a word. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. Yep. Victory, excellent. Okay, so last year I told you that um, I was too very wordy, so I can't come up with just one word. So I had a phrase, and I generally choose a phrase because I can't narrow it down to a word. Does anyone happen to remember what it was? Yep. 
Yeah, well done. You go, girl. Thank you. I, just, I didn't think anyone would. Judy was prepped just in case. <laughs> um, but you go, girl, was my word. And it came from um, Proverbs 31 where I shared with you about um, the woman of valor. And, and that was um, the phrase in Hebrew, eshet hayel, woman of valor, which I had really loosely translated to you go, girl. And what it meant was that I was going to just chase after my dreams that year, that I was going to um, just like settle these goals and just like run at them and do the best I could. I, I enrolled full time and study. Um, I've, I've got four kids, so they were really busy and I was working and I was just going to keep smashing goals and I was so committed to it, I got it tattooed on my wrist um, and with the word courage because I thought it was going to require some courage. And so I did that and um, by about November, I was so tired. I was just so tired and I was really kind of stressed and in need of a holiday and also some antibiotics. Um, and so I, after that, I, you know, I started in November thinking about my new word, uh, my new phrase for the, the coming year. And I decided that for 2021, my word or my phrase was going to be be still. And so then Pastor Peter Scott at the um, Harrisell campus, who was preparing the preaching roster, said, um, could you come back and preach in that January series where we do Proverbs or Psalms or, you know, songs and poetry. Um, this time we're in Psalms. Um, could you preach a message? And I realised there was a, like a lovely symmetry to it. So I was like, of course I have to choose Psalm 46, which famously says, be still and know that I am God. So as I got into preparing that message, though, I realised that the call to be still in Psalm 46 it's not at all about God plonking me down in a situation and a context that's completely void of stress, um, completely peaceful. And that's what I'd been looking for when I chose the phrase, be still, some serenity. But Psalms 46 is actually about natural disasters. It's about war and political strife. It's about finding yourself surrounded by chaos and fear. Psalm 46 is about as hectic as 2020 was. So, but it's also a psalm about being able to tap into the peace that comes from being still and knowing that God is God. And so we're going to read a psalm, the psalm in a moment, but before we do that, I'd love to pray. Loving God, please just um, soften our hearts to your word. Uh, please give us fresh revelation of things we may have read and seen before. Um, a fresh understanding of what it means to be in relationship with you. Amen. So if you have your Bible or if you have your app with you, um, I would love it if you could read along with me. And we're going to read all of Psalm 46 to start. So get this into our minds. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. 
The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, the the God of Jacob, our fortress. So I want to spend a little time this morning unpacking these verses a bit to have a look at what's going on in the psalm and to look at how this idea of being still might play out in my year and in your year too. So we're going to analyse the psalm a little bit. So firstly, it's a song and it contains three verses and all three speak of a different kind of trouble faced by the Israelite nation and also faced by us today. First up, the psalmist describes natural disasters. So in verse 1, we see the earth giving way, the mountains falling into the ocean, a storm raging on the sea and the mountains trembling as though they are alive with fear. In the second, he speaks of war, with nations raging and kingdoms tottering. And in the third, he speaks of military violence, men fighting with chariots, bows and spears. Um, To give it a little bit of context, Psalm 46, it probably doesn't refer to any specific incident of devastation, violence or destruction in the history of the people of Israel. Instead, it paints a picture of what human experience can be like. And in this case, it's a pretty bleak picture. But even so, Psalm 46 opens with the lines, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The song reveals God's faithfulness and his ongoing commitment to be our protector and our source of refuge and strength. The song tells us that in the midst of trouble and suffering, God is there with us and that he can be relied on and that as verse 10 tells us, all we need to be to do is to be still and to know that he is God. Be still, God says. I am your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It sounds really simple, but it raises all kinds of questions for me. Like, what do we do when we're facing terrible circumstances, yet we have no sense that God is actually there being an ever-present help? What do we do when we look at a situation in our own life when we see we say I can't see God here and when is God going to show up in this and how is being still like the psalmist suggests when you can't see God helping you out how is that actually helping so I want to turn to the middle part of the of the song of the psalm which I think contains some of the answers to those questions And um, we're going to look a little more deeply at those now. So in verse 4 and 5 and 6, I'm going to read them. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Now, these verses had been puzzling theologians for years because this is a song about Jerusalem. It belongs to a collection of songs about the holy city, also referred to as the city of Zion. 
And Jerusalem is the capital of ancient Israel, the place that God chose to put his temple. Throughout the Psalms, Jerusalem is referred to as Zion, the place of my dwelling or the city of God. For ancient Israelites, Jerusalem was the centre of life of Israel and God's work in the Old Testament. So it's clearly a song about Jerusalem. But the thing that has had been confusing theologians is that the song refers to a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Yet there is no river in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built in the hills. So when you get rain, there are streams that flow, a bit like creeks in Western Australia, but not for very long. There is a, um, in Jerusalem, the Gihon Spring, and that's a, a small freshwater spring, and it gives water to the city. And there's some caves and cisterns that fill up with water after rain, but there's clearly nothing you could legitimately call a river. Jerusalem is a dry city. There's no river sparkling through it like you would see in Perth. Rivers as metaphors for life come up many times throughout the Bible. Rivers are seen as a source of life and peace. And in this case, the psalmist claims that it's the river that makes glad the city of God. So that might leave us wondering, what is he talking about? Is there even a river? And if their gladness relies on this supposed river, is it just false hope and I wonder if sometimes our lives might look and feel like that too if God like the river is supposed to be my source of joy life and peace yet no river seems to be obviously sparkling through me then is God even here or is the idea of a God present and active in my life also just false hope what I want to share with you today is that to fully experience and know God There are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. I want to say that again. To fully experience and know God, there are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. Seek me, says the Lord, and I'll be found by you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If we're going to experience the metaphorical river the psalmist is talking about, we have to go deeper with God. And here's a cool thing. It turns out that the psalmist wasn't just talking in metaphors. In uh, 2011, excavators working in Jerusalem, digging a new railway um, station, they dug deep under the surface of central Jerusalem and discovered what geologists say is the largest underground river ever found in Israel. That was just 2011. Uh, The team from Israel Railway chanced upon a cave while they were excavating a shaft close to the city's main convention centre. They cut into this cave accidentally and the water started flowing into the shaft. Says one of the engineers working on the shaft, one canyon was over 200 metres long and we never reached its end. There was a river in Jerusalem. It was just deep in the earth, 750 metres down. Made both by nature and also by the ancient Israelites, it consisted of caves, springs, tunnels and huge reservoirs. The most impressive of these waterways is probably the so-called Hezekiah Tunnel, described in the book of Chronicles in in, um, the Bible. It says, Hezekiah blocked up the upper spring of Gihon and brought the water down through a tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah's tunnel was built by King Hezekiah, 4701 BCE, when it helped Jerusalem survive military attack by Assyria. 
and its tunnel is cut in the rock beneath the city of David, leading water from the Gihon to the Siloam pool. Has anyone visited that, walked through that tunnel? Awesome. Hezekiah's tunnel, it follows random and unpredictable paths and archaeologists have recently realised that it actually followed on and expanded upon natural riverways that were running under the system, under the city. So the, the city of Jerusalem, it looks like a dry, riverless city. It's not until you go deeper that you tap into the water source flowing abundantly under the city, making its people glad and giving them security in times of struggle. So clearly the psalmist knew about this underground river system. Perhaps at a glance our lives can sometimes look as dry as the surface of the ancient city of Jerusalem. And sometimes there's a tension in the Christian faith where we become believers but we still face struggles. We still feel anxiety and experience depression. We have setbacks and discouragement. And we still feel that God is sometimes absent or at least not obvious in our lives. Knowing what we know now, though, about the underground rivers in Jerusalem, let's go back and read those few verses again. And this time I want you to imagine that you are the city of God. So you're the metaphor. Now, this is a metaphor for you now. Picture this um, as a description of yourself as we read it together again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her or him. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. I want to suggest that we see the underground streams that flow through the city of Jerusalem as a metaphor for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, in your life and in mine. In the Gospel of John in chapter 7, we read um, verse 37, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was speaking about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus told us that we would receive the Holy Spirit who will be like streams of living water flowing from within us. And while the psalmist didn't have the same language for the Spirit that Jesus had, and Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit who would come to believers at Pentecost, I believe that they were speaking of the same Spirit. I think the psalmist knew that God inhabits his people and perhaps in the teaching of Jesus, we have uh, a fresh revelation of what the psalmist already knew in his heart. So we are like a city with secret underground streams of protected, life-giving water. Um, Jesus also said we were like a city in Matthew 5, where he says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So I think the psalmist was onto something. Like the streams in the city of Jerusalem, this living water we have flowing on the inside, I think it shows us that like the water of Jerusalem, sometimes we have to dig a little deeper to access it. And I want to suggest that there are some experiences of knowing God that can only be had when we choose to go deeper in relationship with God. 
to fully experience and know God. There are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. Being still to me means connecting to the Holy Spirit living in me. It means pausing in the midst of my day to acknowledge that the Spirit of God flows through me, a source of power and peace that I can access any time. And a source that, like the streams inside the walls of the protected city of Jerusalem, is protected at all times, cannot be accessed by the enemy and cannot be disturbed from, from outside. I had prepared that message and I practiced it a bunch of times. And I thought it was done there. And, uh, you know, I had done all the prep and set it aside, set it into the mirror a few times and then left it because I was, well, you know, prepared in advance. But on the Saturday night before I had to present it last week at, um, at uh, Harrisdale, I felt God say, you're not finished yet of it. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, and so then there's a story that I want to tell you that um, I haven't written down, um, which I think is just an example maybe that God wanted me to be brave and share of a time when I feel that God wanted me to go deeper in relationship with him. Um, so there, it was a couple of years ago, I wasn't feeling very well in myself, had some physical kind of um, ailments going on and a few emotional issues that were I was really struggling with. And um, my dad and, and my husband suggested that I go off to Thailand and see my sister Liz and just get a break and just try and kind of like rest a bit. And so I happily accepted that offer. <laughs> and, uh, and I went off with my older sister, Kath, and um, met up with my sister, Liz, and she lives in a really beautiful part of the world. But the day before we went, I just really, well, a few days before we went, I had this really strong urge to connect with a lady I'd only met once prior. And she was a lady who had years ago prayed for me um, in a really, in a moment that felt really powerful for me in my own spiritual journey. And she had prayed for me, and she prayed for me speaking in tongues, which is not something that really happens to me in my world. Um, but I had the sense that I was to meet up with her. So the day before I went to Thailand, I had a coffee with her. Uh, I actually bought her lunch, and we had a good chat. And eventually she said, why did you want to meet up with me? And I said, oh, I have this sense that... Um, God, there's an experience of God that he wants me to go deeper in and that it had something to do with you. And she said, well, I'll pray for you while you're away in Thailand and when you get home, let's connect again and we'll pray some more about it. And so I went off to Thailand, um, had a really good time with my sisters. We, my youngest sister, Jen, couldn't go, so every time we sent her a photo... She uh, photoshopped herself in and uh, put it on Facebook like she was there. My favourite was we were on the side of a mountain, the three of us, and then there's her um, like parasailing in um, to join us. So she made us laugh. But we also had kind of some, it was kind of hard as well. So there was one morning, it was early in the morning, and um, I'd got up and then I'd had kind of an intense conversation with my sisters. And I went off to have a shower and while I was in the shower, I just kind of started to cry because I think sometimes when you get still and then all the stuff, it just kind of catches up. 
And so I started crying in the shower and I tried to cry quietly so that they wouldn't hear me, but then it got a little bit louder and then I was embarrassed. So I got the towel to try and muffle it, um, but that didn't help at all. And then the, the crying just went from kind of crying to really wailing, kind of in a way that I'd never wailed before. And I reckon the whole resort could have heard me. Um, and But then the wailing went from really deep, like, sobbing uh, to I just couldn't breathe. You know, I was just, like, trying to get around a breath but couldn't. And then the, that sense of not being able to breathe was making it worse that I just couldn't breathe any even more. And then I managed to call out to my sister Liz and uh, my sisters came in and one turned off the water and put a towel around me and the other said, OK, just breathe in. I tried to breathe in, breathe out. And she did that with me for a few minutes until my breathing got back into a regular kind of pattern. And the other sister just prayed. You know, she just prayed peace over me. And uh, so then I calmed down and I was okay again. Um, and they, they went out of the room so I could get dressed. And then I, I, was, I just was so depleted after that. So I'd had a panic attack. I've not really had them before, but people who, tell, who have panic attacks tell me that it's really normal to just afterwards feel like all you want to do is sleep. Um, so for the rest of the day, I actually just lay in the pool and stared at nothing. I got really sunburnt. But before I went out to the pool, um, I thought, well, I should just go and be with my sisters so that they know that I'm okay. So I went out to the lounge area and I lay on the couch and I thought it probably would be a good idea to pray and to just ask God to be with me in this feeling that I'm having. But I just felt so exhausted that there was nothing left in me to, to, to pray even. Um, so I lay, I lay there on the couch and I tried to, as I tried to open my mouth to pray, a language came out of me that I didn't speak. And... Um, it was just a phrase and I just kind of said it over and over a few times. I said it kind of quietly because my sister was right there and I was embarrassed. But I just knew in that moment that it was the Spirit speaking on my behalf, knowing that like the Spirit kind of had to intervene. And that's not an experience I've had before, but the lady at home was praying, hey. Um, and, and so I had that experience. And then when we got home from the Thailand trip, I talked to my boss about it and um, and I read some stuff on, on praying, uh, speaking in tongues. And then that has become a part of my own prayer life. And I mainly just pray like that when um, I feel at a loss as to what to pray. Or if I'm praying for someone else and I don't really know the context of their situation. And sometimes I'll pray quietly in the spirit um, before I minister to them. And so I feel like maybe that was an example of a time where getting still before God allowed God to help me go deeper. And it was also in the midst of struggle and pain that, that I was able to go deeper with God. And I think that perhaps um, the spirit was able to tap into something like a reservoir, like when those excavators popped into that cave and something poured out. Perhaps something deeper in me that, that I just needed to be still and, and know that God is God and that any battle that I had to face, that everything was already within me to be able to overcome that, that I just had to be still and know that he is God. The message version of that psalm and that verse says, step out of traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God. 
So I began the message by telling you what a busy year I'd had last year. And um, I want to say that busyness is not a problem in itself. But being busy without taking the time to be still before God, that leads people into insecurity and anxiety. And my phrase for the year, be still, it's not me opting out of life. It's not me choosing to stay at home in my pyjamas more often than not and saying no to everything that I can. But it's a commitment to draw near to God in prayer and stillness, to carve out moments where I stand before God and, I, and I'm still and I acknowledge that he is within me and that I won't fall. The Holy Spirit wants to draw you deeper in relationship in a close and connected way. God wants you to tap into that source of peace in your own life. And it, and it will look different for you than it does for the person sitting next to you. For me, it happened to be an experience of tongues. And I'm not saying that that's for everyone. But, but I think that within you, God has resources that he's just waiting to give you. And that they're available to you as you're still with him. And the psalmist tells us that we can do this even in the midst of difficult times and even when we're feeling under threat. The Christian life offers a depth of peace and an inner stillness that we all have access to. But it requires something on our part, that we remember God in times of trouble, that we remember him and we stop and say, you are my refuge and my strength, my ever-present help in trouble. You are in me and I will not fall. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us. I'd love you to stand with me as we pray. Father God, I want to pray particularly for those who experience anxiety, um, for those who understood uh, my experience of having a panic attack, um, who know that reality in their own life. I want to pray, God, for healing for them. I want to pray that um, even in the midst of those hard times that they know that you are there and that there is a stillness that can come from going deep with you. I pray that even when that frustrates them because the, the panic still happens, God, that, that it recedes as they um, learn to press into you more and more. Be with them in that, Father God. And I pray for each of us. I don't know what kind of year everyone is going into, but 2020 was really hard for all of us for different ways, different reasons and in different ways. And in some of those things that we had in common, I just pray that even if 2021 is equally difficult, that we will stop and be still and know that you are God. Even if it's with our hands in the sink as we wash dishes. Or for me, my favourite moment in the driveway when all the kids have got out of the car. Also in our own quiet devotional time where we go deeper with you in the word maybe in singing on our own and all the ways that we connect with you with our, our sand, feet in the sand at the beach. I pray, God, um, that we are intentional to have those moments. And it seems like a bit of a contradiction that we, that we grow still by doing nothing, but there's a work to do and the work is to do nothing <laughs> but to be with you, God. I pray that you'll help us to commit to that this year to being still and knowing that you are God. Amen.